Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here's your host, Jim Manfredonia. And a very, very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come to Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, it is a great joy to be here with you. As the Lord allows us this time every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time uh, for this program, Come to Me. And then, of course, on Fridays at 4 o'clock when Cheryl sits in and joins me for two hours and we bring you Friday Live. Uh, hoping and praying you're having a blessed, happy, and holy September 3rd. September 3rd, and I heard uh, Sister Ann Shields say, St. Gregory the Great. So to our friends um, locally here in the Trenton area, we have a beautiful parish, St. Gregory the Great. Uh, Happy Parish Feast Day to you. And uh, today, of course, Thursday, Catechism Day. I want to go back to where we left off last week on forming our consciences. (laughs) That's the important thing. You know, we could tell you what to do. We could we could suggest what to do. But if your your conscience isn't well informed and well formed, uh, you may not make the right decision. So anyway, we're going to go back to the catechism on that. And today, you know, I, I talked about it yesterday, and I, I didn't realize until uh, mass today that uh, today's reading, one of my favorites, put out into the deep, Duke in Altum. And uh, that was uh, kind of, as I said, our our battle cry, still is really, here at Domestic Church Media in the great work the Lord has given us to do. So I thought after our prayer, let's go to the good book, to Sacred Scripture, uh, and today's Gospel from Luke uh, chapter 5 uh, on that, and just reflect a little bit on that. If you, if you allow me that, I appreciate that. Uh, if you are tuned in at 4.02 on this September 3rd, 2020, of course, we're coming to you on all of our domestic church media radio stations here in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, but also coming to you live around the world on various platforms, our free domestic church media mobile app. I hope you downloaded that for your uh, iPhone or Android device. It's free, and it's a great app. has everything, well, not everything, but a good deal of what will, you'll need to help you in your journey uh, here, uh, week to week, uh, and it's just a great app. But, of course, everything and all things domestic church media, so you can listen to the program. And if you have our free app uh, or a smart TV or other means of watching YouTube, you can watch the program today coming to you live on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash domesticchurchmedia. Also live video on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash domesticchurchmedia. And live video on our homepage at domesticchurchmedia.org. And, of course, if you have the Amazon Echo or Google Home devices, the home speaker devices, just say, play Domestic Church Media, and we'll stream live on those devices. Now, if you have the Amazon device, first you have to enable the Domestic Church Media skill. Okay? So 
if you are new to this and you have this Amazon Echo device, and there are many, many Echo devices now. There's so many of them. Uh, first, go to your app, your Amazon Echo app, and search for Domestic Church Media and enable that skill. And then anytime you say play or um, uh, open Domestic Church Media, it'll play streaming uh, audio on that device. And, you know, uh, especially like a day, day like today, we're expecting um, very severe storms in uh, many of our listening areas, and uh, especially with AM radio. Uh, normally when there's a storm coming or there's electricity or, or uh, a lightning in the area, um, you get that static, you know, and it kind of interferes. If you listen on the Amazon Echo device or the Google Home device or streaming audio from our website or our mobile app, you don't get that. You don't get that. There's no static. It's like clean and clear FM radio. So, uh, you know, technology keeps uh, going forward here, my friends. Technology is is continually uh, moving forward. And so we, uh, you know, uh, try to stay on top of that. We try to stay on top of that. And hopefully uh, we're able to do that in the course of our time with you. Okay, let's pray, and uh, as we do every time we gather, my brothers and sisters, we're going to pray uh, the prayer for the United States of America. Beautiful prayer um, that was prayed for the first time in 1959 at the dedication to the National Basilica of the Immaculate Conception. And uh, we're sending these cards out to you. I just, I just put a whole stack of, of mail into the, to the post office today, so... So many of you are requesting these, and we're so thrilled. I actually got a request yesterday from our friend Eileen. And I, Eileen, I don't, I don't recall uh, your parish, but um, Eileen asked if I could send her the PDF uh, file for the prayer itself that's the front of our prayer card uh, because her pa- pastor so graciously said, let's put that in the bulletin. So uh, that's great. And I know uh, St. Magdalene is having a holy hour tonight for the U.S., I believe it's tonight. Um, and they have that in their booklet, this prayer in there to pray. We have to pray, pray, pray. And I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that we're sending so many of these prayer cards out there uh, because it just says that there's a lot of prayer being raised right now. And this is what it's going to take to put our country on the path that God wants it to go. You know, let's just, we're not taking any side here. We're just saying, God, your will be done for this country. And this country was founded upon the basic Judeo-Christian principles of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, endowed by our Creator. And so we're going to go to our Blessed Mother, as we do with this prayer, and put our country in her hands. And she presents the country to the Most Holy Trinity. That's what this prayer prays. So let's pray this together, my friends. If you have your copy, pray along with me. If not, just pray with your heart. And uh, when we conclude the prayer, I'll tell you how you can get free copies of this, because they are free. So let's begin, my dear friends, as we begin all good things. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father in heaven, who chose Mary as the fairest of your daughters, Holy Spirit, who chose Mary as your spouse, God the Son, who chose Mary as your mother, In union with Mary, we adore your majesty and acknowledge your supreme, eternal dominion and authority. Most Holy Trinity, we put the United States of America into the hands of Mary Immaculate in order that she may present the country to you. Through her, we wish to thank you for the great resources of this land and for the freedom which has been its heritage. 
through the intercession of Mary, have mercy on the Catholic Church in America. Grant us peace. Have mercy on your on our president and on uh, all of the officers of our government. Grant us a fruitful economy born of justice and charity. Have mercy on capital and industry and labor. Protect the family life of our nation. Guard the precious gift of many religious vocations. Through the intercession of our mother, have mercy on the sick, the tempted, sinners, on all who are in need. Mary, Immaculate Virgin, our mother, patroness of our land, as we we praise you and honor you and give ourselves to you, protect us from every harm. Pray for us and acting always according to your will and the will of your divine Son, may we live and die pleasing to God. Amen. And let's pray our prayer to St. Michael the Archangel and also the beautiful ancient prayer to our Blessed Mother that Holy Father Pope Francis asked us to pray to protect the church from the attacks of the devil. And we're also including now in that intention to protect the United States of America from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. St. Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. And today, St. Gregory the Great, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, thanks for praying, friends. And uh, if you have not yet requested, you know, your, your free prayer card or cards, because we'll send you however many you, you like, um, please do uh, go to our website, domesticchurchmedia.org. And up on the top, there's a, uh, there are many options. One option is prayer. Just place your cursor over the word prayer. And a little drop-down menu drops down. Click on Prayer for the United States of America. And we'll ask you for your name and your address and how many you want. And we'll get them out to you free of charge. We're not charging for these. We're, not, we're even picking up the postage. Because we believe in the power of prayer. We believe that our domestic church media family will be a powerful prayer uh, component in uh, seeing that our country is guided by the Holy Spirit, and we place our country to protect her uh, through the Immaculate Hands of Mary into the uh, loving heart of our Most Holy Trinity. And we need to pray and keep praying. Pray, pray, pray. My goodness, we see what's going on. So go to our website, domesticchurchmedia.org, and then place your cursor over the word prayer up on top, little menu drops down, click on a prayer for the United States of America and tell us how many, your, your information, your name, your address, and how many you want, and we'll get them out to you. Pray it, pass them out, share them, 
Um, it's a beautiful four by six little postcard, laminated with the prayer. And uh, again, it's a it's a great way over the next uh, two months, especially as we lead up to the election. And I'm going to say, even after the election, you know, I, I've talked to a, a number of people recently who have all said. I just can't wait until 2020 is over. <laughs> We've all just had it with 2020, right? And it's not over yet. We still have a few months left, but uh, my goodness, I think we've all had it up to here, he said with his hand over his head uh, with this. And uh, so we have to keep praying even beyond the election because we know that uh, it ain't over till it's over, as Yogi said. So we'll just keep praying and praying for hours. Just, just, you know, just praying for the simpler times and the, just the re, you know, putting putting the country back on course to God. That that's what's been missing for these many decades, many many decades now, 50, 60 years, when we took God out of our, our schools back in the sixty or nineteen sixty, I think, Madeline Murray O'Hare, and it was all downhill from there. Because you know, if you remember, and I do, sadly. <laughs> I remember a good, not a good part, but I remember 1960, I was alive, and I was in uh, uh, kindergarten, and so I remember a little bit about kindergarten. I remember 1960. I remember walking to the polling booth with my mother, actually, uh, to vote when uh, Nixon and Kennedy were running, and uh, but they were simpler times, and we were a, God- a God-fearing nation. We, you know, That was the greatest generation raising families back in the 50s and 60s. The men, especially, and and, and uh, who who fought in the Second World War, who fought so and made the ultimate sac- so many made the who made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. But putting God where God belonged, and then we took God out of our school, out of our schools, and prayer out of our schools in 1960. Think about what the country looked like in 1960 when we took prayer out of the schools, and what it looked like in 1969, just nine years later at the end of that decade. Hmm? Think about that, those of you who can remember that or read your history books if they're even teaching history anymore. So anyway, let's uh, just keep praying, and and, and we're going to pray right now because I love today's gospel. I made reference to this yesterday, and I didn't know that today was the gospel of the day, today, from Luke uh, chapter 5, Jesus calling the first uh, disciples. And as I have shared with you, you know, this, this John Paul II, St. Pope John Paul II, when he was our Holy Father, gave a beautiful teaching on this duke in altum. It's the Latin for put out into the deep. And I always said, you know, our mission here at Domestic Church Media from the very beginning, that's what it was. Cast our nets. <laughs> For the Lord, out into the deep, for a great catch. I don't know the numbers, and you know, my brothers and sisters, if I'm blessed enough one day to make it to paradise, and I pray I do, that the Lord will reveal to me the many, many individuals and souls who were are there because of what God has done through our work. Not me, not what I do, but what the Holy Spirit does through this work. This, this great casting of the nets for the great catch. 
I hear from you. You know, I, I got to tell you, before we get to the gospel, I got to tell you, I, I hear from so many guys. You know, we, we, you, you, our domestic church media family, are so wonderful in your continued support for this work. You know, I, I always tell you, and it's true, you know, we, we, we fell short over the past few months in the summer and at the end of spring uh, by about $9,000 a month. That's a lot of money each month to not to not have. Uh, normal years, we have our Radiothon, and that kind of covers that gap. And we had nothing to cover that gap yet this year. And that always gets me a little, uh, a little agita. But I do, on a regular basis, every time I go to the post office, I, I do receive your, your great generosity, so many of you who, who write to me and send checks and donate online. And I always get lovely little notes from people. Today I got an envelope that I felt, it felt like there was a very lengthy letter inside. <laughs> and I chuckle because the return address was ours. Someone put our address as the return address as well as the delivered-to address. And when I see that, I think, uh-oh, <laughs> this could be someone who has a little bone to pick with old Jimbo. And I was driving back from the post office, and I thought, oh, man, I don't need this today. Lord, please. And I thought, okay, well, you know, you got to suck it up and, and, and take it on the chin. If someone has an issue, let's hear about it. And because uh, I thought, when there's no when there's no return address, it means someone doesn't want to be known, and they want to let us know some, <laughs> what's on their on their mind. So I got my letter, little letter opener and open. I was all taped up; I couldn't even get into the envelope. Finally, I thought, okay, this is even. <laughs> I, I opened it up, and there was this lovely little note inside from someone who said how much they enjoy the station, what it means to them, and the thickness that I thought was a long, lengthy letter was just cash. Someone had sent some, some cash to us. And you're all just so wonderful. You're just wonderful, wonderful people. We have the best, best audience, I think, in Catholic radio. You guys are great, all of you, all of you. So when we pray this gospel, it's the gospel that really was, uh, as I mentioned yesterday, you know, 15 years ago yesterday, we, we, we launched our first teeny tiny station over in Shrewsbury. And this was kind of our battle cry throughout. It still is to put out into the deep. So let me just pray the gospel first. Uh, this is from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. While the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put, uh, pull, uh, put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had ceased speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word... I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great shoal of fish. And as their nets were breaking, they beckoned to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, 
he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. Henceforth you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. I love that gospel. Because in many ways, I've often, I've often identified with uh, St. Peter. Peter always seems so um, uh, very simple, a little bit of a temper, probably a lot of bit of a temper, <laughs> impetuous, speaks his mind, gruff, probably didn't have a lot of friends. <laughs> Maybe he did. I tease. I do have a lot of friends. Um, a lot of acquaintances. I have friends. I don't know. No, I'm teasing. But think about that. Here's Peter. who He's a fisherman. This is his job. This is what I do every day. This has been my, my, my you know, how I earn my living, how I f- support my family, feed my children, put a roof over their heads. And here comes this prophet who got into the boat, <laughs> just got into the boat. And you know why he, he, then it says, Scripture tells us that he got into the boat and began to teach. And the reason he did that was, you, you, you probably know this, that, you know, sound carries over water. So here's this great crowd that, that was pressing upon him to hear what he said. And the sound would get muffled. What Jesus spoke would get muffled uh, in, in, among the, uh, the crowd. But if he got into the boat and spoke, the sound would carry on the water like an amplification system. And then when he finished speaking, he told Simon Peter, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Duke and Altum. He asked Peter to do something that didn't, didn't, didn't make any sense to him. Lord, I've, we, we've just been fishing all night. We've caught, you know, we've, we've, we've caught nothing. As if to say, who, do you, who are you? I know what I'm doing. I, my, my trade is, is, a, is a fisherman. I earn my living this way. You get into my boat, you teach these people, then you tell me to put out for a great catch. We've been out there all night. And then something must have struck him. It doesn't say in Scripture, but something must have struck him because he then continued and said, but at your word, I will let down the nets. I used to, um, in the beginning of our work, you know, I got a little reminiscent yesterday on, on how we launched our first little teeny tiny station over in Shrewsbury. But I remember even even the the, the prelude to that, the, the 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 days, the months, the years, even leading up to that moment, where I was feeling that we needed to have Catholic radio in the area. You know, New Jersey, Pennsylvania had no Catholic radio. New York, no Catholic radio, nothing. Had a lot of evangelical stations. 
But I, I, I remember telling the Lord in prayer, Lord, my goodness, we need Catholic radio in the area. And I think of the apostles saying to Jesus, Lord, there are so many people here, and we have nothing to give them to feed them. Do something. And I see the uh, parallel between what the Lord told the apostles in feeding the multitudes and what he spoke to my heart in in feeding uh, those who were without Catholic radio. He said, you give them something to eat. You get Catholic radio. You do it. <laughs> and that really was, that's true. I, I, I really believe he spoke that to my heart. You do it. You know, I kept saying, Lord, we need Catholic radio. We need, Jersey has nothing. Pennsylvania has nothing. Well, you do it then. And then he also said, Put your net out into the deep for a great catch. Well, I, Lord, I've been doing this for a long time, and there's nothing. Nothing's happening. But at your word, I'll do it. And when you obey, when you have trust, when you have faith, as Peter did, they enclosed a great shoal of fish, so much so the nets were breaking, Scripture tells us, that they had to call the guys from the other boat, come give us a hand. There's so many fish here, we can't even handle them ourselves. And they filled the boats so much so the boats began to sink. So Peter saw this, and he saw it was happening. He saw the miracle taking place right before his very eyes and fell down on his knees. Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And so the others as well, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And Jesus looked at them. And he saw all that was going on. Probably saw the fear in their eyes. My goodness, this is something that is beyond our understanding. We've, this is what we do for a living. We've never seen anything like this. At his word, all of a sudden, we're overcome by all these fish, this great catch. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And at that word, they left everything and followed him. Everything. They didn't hold on. They let go and followed. I was talking to the, those wonderful young men who were here in the studio with me on, on Monday from JMJ Missions, Dan and, and Rocco and Anthony. After the program, we were chatting a little bit, and I was telling a little bit about my story and we were talking about just that, you know, having trust and believing and having faith and not holding on to anything. Just let go. As you know, there's a cliche now, unfortunately, let go and let God. You know, let God do what God wants to do. I have found my brothers and sisters in my work in apostolate, in this work especially, that my most conflicting days have been those days when I've been fighting God's will. It's only when I allow myself to make my will compliant with his that things smooth out and, and calm settles in and, 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 and peace. I enjoy the roller coaster ride. I really do. You know, 
people would say, well, you're crazy. I'd probably, yeah, I probably am. But I enjoy the ups and downs. I enjoy the challenge, maybe. That's what it is. Of what happens along the way here. So we have to trust to put out into the deep. And whatever you do, whether it be apostolate or any, any aspect of your faith journey, if the Lord asks you to do something and you have an, in prayer and discernment and direction uh, determined this is what the Lord wants, it may not be what you want, but it's what the Lord wants. And we have to say yes to that. And he'll say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I have something in store for you that's beyond your wildest imagination. And I was telling the guys, I said, you know, if, if any one of those apostles who Jesus chose in the beginning of his public ministry, if our Lord had said to any one of those apostles, any one of them, let me show you three years from now where you're going to be. They probably would have said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't want any part of that. But he had to take them along, little steps along the journey for three years for them to understand the mission. And that at his word, all things work for the greater good. In all things. No matter what the, the, the world is, is throwing at us, no matter how horrible things may seem or how tumultuous they may be, no matter how discouraging we may feel or hopeless at times, if we are walking with the Lord, he's saying to us, do not be afraid. I'm with you, and I'll take care of it. It may not be what you expect. It may not be the way you want it. It may be beyond your understanding, but trust me, and I'll take care of it. I love this gospel. Duke in Altum. All right, we come back. It is Thursday. It is Catechism Day. So we're going to go to the Catechism and continue our teaching from last week on forming our conscience. So don't go away. There's more to come on Come to Me. find out more about parish events and devotions, prayer group and school activities in your area, then check out the Catholic Community Bulletin Board on our website. You'll find up-to-date information about events happening throughout our listening area. Go to domesticchurchmedia.org slash Catholic Bulletin Board. If you have an event you'd like us to promote, you can post it there as well. Go to domesticchurchmedia.org slash Catholic Bulletin Board. Here is Mother Angelica speaking about Catholic Radio. There's six billion people, and we've got to reach them all. It's people like you, radio stations like your own. And I hope sincerely that people will support you because we need Catholic Radio. We need Catholic television. And if we don't have it, we shall answer to God. 
for that because we are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. We're bound by that. Won't you help us spread the good word by praying for us and by making a tax-deductible gift payable to Domestic Church Media, P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628, or by going to our website, wfjs.org, and making a secure online donation using your Visa or MasterCard. Please contact us today. God love you. We need Catholic Radio. We are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. 60 Seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. In prayer, do not do all the talking. If you went into a doctor's office, you would not rattle off the symptoms and then rush out. How did you learn to speak the English language? You learned to speak by listening, did you not? How does a scientist learn the laws of nature? By imposing laws upon nature? No, he sits down passively before nature and says to nature, now you reveal to me your secrets. So we are not constantly to be yapping in prayer. Sacred scripture says, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. We often change that. And we say, listen, Lord, thy servant speaketh. In prayer, therefore, we must not only speak, we must also listen. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. I'm Cheryl. I'm Jim. And we invite you to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. for Friday Live. Two hours of talk, music, interesting, and informative interviews. We'll also have a reflection on Sunday's Gospel, Jim Hoffman's weekend weather forecast, and you'll have a chance to call in and play one of our fun game shows like Saint of the Day or Name That Catholic Tune. It all happens right here Friday at 4 p.m. That's Friday Live, proclaiming the joy of the gospel, communicating hope, on these domestic church media stations. From Ewing to Union Beach. Sargentville to Spring Lake. Percocet to Point Pleasant Beach. Heightstown to Humeville. Eatontown to Englishtown. Pine Beach to Penn Valley. Proclaiming the joy of the gospel on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Welcome back, my friends, on this lovely September 3rd, although I think the storms are coming. I saw it got a little darker out there before the program. I stepped outside, and the clouds were forming, and uh, storms, I think, more so to the south. So to our friends at uh, the uh, WSMJ area, I think you have, a, unfortunately, a chance of uh, feeling those storms more than those of us up here in the central part of the state. But stay safe, because then they say the weekend is going to be glorious. Labor Day weekend. <laughs> And uh, this, you know, I think tomorrow, right? Or tomorrow, the restaurants in New, New Jersey are supposed to allow dine-in at 25% capacity. We've had that in Pennsylvania for a while now. But um, gradually, things are getting back to normal. The kids are back in school or going back to school. Uh, so say some prayers for them. 
you know, just pray that everything gets back to normal. I don't like the new normal idea. I like just normal. Let's get back to God. That's that's the most important thing. Uh, tomorrow's Friday already, and we are going to be here, Cheryl and I, with Friday Live, and uh, we have a couple of wonderful guests. Our dear friend Claire Dwyer is going to join us about a letter that Mother Teresa wrote uh, 25 years ago, St. Mother Teresa. So Claire will be here, as will Melissa Molesky, and uh, she's written a book called The Supreme Vocation of Women, according to John Paul II. Melissa was uh, scheduled to be one of our guests a few weeks ago, but uh, had a little had a little technical difficulty there. So anyway, she'll be here tomorrow. Uh, so both of these lovely guests will be talking about women and the power of, of true femininity. So you want to stay tuned for that tomorrow. Ours begin our Labor Day weekend together. But it is first Friday, and that means that at 3 o'clock, Bishop O'Connell will be here for a brand new season of The Shepherd's Voice. Bishop will be here. So uh, tune in at 3 o'clock to hear from Bishop O'Connell. We'll be here from 4 to five, from four to 6. Uh, Bill Marr and George Rose will be here with another edition of Brothers in Arms uh, at 6 p.m. And then Father Steve DeLacy with the Vocation Hour. So we always have a lovely uh, first Friday lineup for you. So that's all happening tomorrow, first Friday in September. And, of course, Monday then, it is Labor Day. And although it's the first Monday in September, because it is a holiday, uh, Bruce will not be here. That's why he was here this past Monday. Uh, so we'll, and, and we'll have uh, uh, the uh, regular Monday programming on. Uh, but it is Labor Day, so enjoy that and enjoy your weekend. But we still have time before we get to that. Let's just uh, thank the Lord for all that he blesses us with, the great gift of work. You know, as I said, one of my favorite quotes from John Paul II that I used one time in a, an interview for a— very, um, well, it was a pretty, pretty good, but I didn't get the job. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why they didn't like John Paul. Actually, they offered me the job and then took it away, one of those situations. It was a pretty good job, though. Anyway, but I love that quote from John Paul. We must never reduce workers to mere units of production. Nice quote for Labor Day. We must never reduce workers to mere units of production. That every worker is an essential worker in what he or she does. And we must never reduce them to just mere units of production. All right, so let's do this. Let's go to our catechism. And we started this last week. And we're talking about conscience. So let me get to the right page here. Where is it? Uh, let's see. So, yes, this is a paragraph 1738. You know, one thing about this topic is that we're all, by virtue of our baptism, required to have a well-informed conscience and a well-formed conscience to help us make the right decisions. You know, the conscience in so many ways in today's culture has been obliterated because people uh, believe that what they believe is right or wrong. You know, that they have the right, the ability, given all um, the circumstances— to say this is right or this is right wrong for me 
all about me. I, me, mine. You know, and that's not the way it is. Our conscience, as the Catechism says, as the judgment of an act is not exempt from the possibility of error. As the Council puts it, not infrequently conscience can be mistaken as a result of invincible ignorance, (laughs) although it does not on that account forfeit its dignity. But this cannot be said when a man shows little concern for seeking what is good and true, and conscience gradually becomes almost blind from being accustomed to sin. So what is good and true these days? Who defines that? You let some politician define it? You let the Supreme Court define it? Uh, What is good and true? What is morally right or morally wrong? Who's defining this for us? As, as people of faith, we know that God gave us his Ten Commandments. And as the saying goes, they're not ten suggestions, they're ten commandments. We know that he sent his only begotten son into this world to fulfill the law and to be the one to lead us back to the Father's house. So conscience as the judgment of an act, the Catechism says in paragraphs, I'm sorry, am I reading, reading, how did that happen? The Holy Spirit turned the page. The Holy Spirit, you know what it went to? It went to Veritatis Splendor. (laughs) Well, that's kind of like a little prelude to this. How about that? I'll go back to the other one. Okay. Conscience must be informed and moral judgment enlightened. A well-formed conscience is upright and truthful. It formulates its judgments according to reason in conformity with the true good willed by the wisdom of the Creator. The true good. You know, as you know, and and the example I used before, we go back to 1960, those of you who can, with me, because I was there. I, I, I was alive in 1960 middle of last century. What was good and what was evil? You know what's a good uh, indicator of this? It's going to sound silly, but a good indicator of the moral compass of our country anyway is watch old television programs from that era, 50s and 60s. Yeah, a lot of them were hokey. But if you stop to think about it, Father Knows Best, Leave it to Beaver... The Donna Reed Show, uh, you know, all those TV programs that reflected the culture. And in those days, in the 50s and 60s, you know, you, you, they, were, they were bound by uh, regulations that determined what they could and couldn't say and, could, and couldn't portray on the television screen based on the understanding of what was morally good and morally evil. You don't see that today, obviously. Today is a whole different story. But back in those days, you know, back in the—it began in the 19—I uh, think 1932, the federal government uh, established what they called the Hayes Commission. And the Hayes Commission was a commission of the federal—of the arm of the federal government that um, d- dictated to— 
Hollywood, the film industry, because there was no television then at that point in 1932, but dictated to the film industry um, regulations and norms on what could and couldn't be portrayed on screen. Because Hollywood was getting a little bit, a little bit uh, risque. And the government stepped in and said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And an example of this was in your gangster films, you know, the gangster films with Jimmy Cagney and, and uh, Edward G. Robinson, you know, uh, from the 30s. There were a number of, if you ever watch these old films, the bad guy, the crook, always had to um, lose. He always had to either be arrested or, you know, put in jail or that was the, they, 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 no good guy could get, no bad guy rather could get away with anything. When they were shooting their machine guns, their submachine guns, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, they couldn't show the blood because it's black and white, but they couldn't show graphically, you know, the, the death of anyone. So there's all these regulations that were put in place to uphold the moral good in what was being portrayed on screen. That's why by the time Gone with the Wind came out in 1939, and there were some suggestive scenes in that film, suggestive, I mean mildly suggestive compared to what what we see today, and of course the ending of the film where where, where, uh, Butler Clark Gable told Scarlett O'Hara he didn't give a you-know-what. Shocked people. And then when we got into the television era, the same, uh, I don't know if it was the same commission or not, but the same uh, uh, regulations applied. You know the story. You know that when uh, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz were married in real life, were starring in I Love Lucy, that they couldn't even be in the same bed in any scene. They had separate beds because they felt that it would have been immoral to show, even though they were married in real life, in the same bed just going to sleep. In the, in the films, uh, another, another regulation of the Hayes Commission was that if a, a, a couple happened to be on a bed, one of them had to have at least one foot on the floor. And seems to our so-called enlightened third millennium mentality today to be, you know, uh, uh, rather Victorian. But it was all based on what the culture understood to be good and evil, moral, immoral. And that was based on a well-formed conscience that was not just limited to good Catholics, but to just good people of goodwill in general. A well-formed conscience, the Catechism says, is upright and truthful. It formulates its judgments according to reason in conformity with the true good willed by the wisdom of the Creator. The education of conscience is indispensable for human beings who are subjected to negative influences and tempted by sin to prefer their own judgment or to, and to reject authoritative teaching. How do we know right from wrong? How do we know what is good, what is evil? We form our conscience. You know, we're, we're taught, hopefully taught, begins in the home. The first educators of, of, of children by the parents. teaching them basic manners. 
We all know that when a, uh, a child gets to be close to the age of two, they discover the word no. <laughs> we saw a little video of our grandson, little Jack, who's, who's going to be two in December, but he's on the couch with his mommy, and, and they're watching a dinosaur movie or something, and he's roaring and saying, dinosaur. But then uh, he was asked, are you a di- do you want to be a dinosaur? No. <laughs> Just that, that, that uh, cute little voice, no. And you teach them. You teach them yes and no. You teach them right and wrong. You teach them please and thank you, you know, from the basic, uh, you know, from the very early years. And as we grow, we learn. How do we know this is good, this is bad? How do we, you know, innate in every one of us is a desire for God, a desire for good. And then our catechism says in 1784, the education of conscience is a lifelong task. You know, as I said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so, always so um, excited and, and thrilled, happy with the wonderful audience we have at Domestic Church Media, the wonderful family that we have, family of supporters, listeners, viewers. You know, why are you here? Why do you come here? Why do you turn us on? Why do you listen to the programs we present to you? It reinforces what we know, and it helps us to educate our conscience. It does. You know, it's a lifelong task, the education of the conscience, the Catechism says. From the earliest years, it awakens the child to the knowledge and practice of interior, uh, the interior law recognized by conscience. Prudent education teaches virtue. It prevents or cures fear, selfishness, and pride. Resentment arising from guilt and feelings of complacency born of human weakness and faults, the education of the conscience guarantees freedom and engenders peace of heart. Why are we so appalled at some things that we see on television? You know, whether it be a murder of a child or, or the, the 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 sexual assault on a on, a, on an individual. Or most people know this is wrong. Most people know that this goes against what and who we are as human beings. It's not civilized. Because right from wrong tells us that's wrong. And you see the lies and the way a culture of death, as John Paul described, the abortion culture, what they have done over the past 50 years uh, to um, anesthetize the consciences of individuals when they refer to the unborn child as a mere fetus, a mere clump of cells, when they call the killing of that child the termination of a pregnancy, and they change the terms and the terminology, and they begin to numb the consciences of even people of goodwill. I've heard people say, and I I still don't get it, The former governor of New Jersey, uh, Chris Christie, another famous name. I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you what they have publicly stated, so I'm not, I'm not calling them out or, or, or telling you what is not public knowledge. Sean Hannity, who does you know, great work for 
the work he does, but has said, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pro-life, but I believe in exceptions. Well, then you're not pro-life. And the governor, the former governor said the same thing. I'm pro-life, but I believe in exceptions. Rape, incest. What? What makes the way the child is conceived affect whether or not it has a chance to live or not? But see, they, they become numb. They become anesthetized to the culture, by the culture. The consciences have become uh, um, numbed, twisted. They begin to believe what they want to believe. They reject authoritative teachings especially of the church. And those Catholics, whether it be a politician or a sports figure or, a, or a, an entertainer or someone else who's in the public eye who professes to be Catholic and, but, oh, but I don't do this or I don't believe that or I don't go for that teaching, then you are a cafeteria Catholic. You're rejecting the authoritative teachings of the church. You're preferring your own judgment to what the church teaches. And then it says in 1785, in the formation of conscience, the word of God is the light for our path. We must assimilate it in faith and prayer and put it into practice, the Word of God. We must also examine our conscience before the Lord's cross. We are assisted by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, aided by the witness or advice of others, and guided by the authoritative teachings of the church. This is the beauty of our church, the magisterium, the teaching authority of our church, because, you know, you could open up Scripture— and you can take it upon yourself to interpret it to mean what you want it to mean. Or do you desire to understand what the Word of God speaks according to the authoritative teaching of the church? So we're all understanding the same thing, the same Word, the way God intended it to be understood and applied and, and lived. But it takes a well-formed conscience to to make that decision, to make that choice, to desire that. And it becomes then, as the Catechism says in 1785, a light for our path. And not that we live our life in a self-righteous way, but that we allow the Word of God, the teaching of the Church, the revelation of Jesus Christ to his church, that we allow that to be, as the Catechism says, the light for our path, to show us the way, the right and proper way, the good and holy way to go and live. We're all called to be holy, as our Heavenly Father is holy. And this is a lifelong task forming our conscience, walking by that light that is shined on our path by the Word itself. And when that becomes skewed, when that becomes uh, clouded, and we don't see, we allow ourselves to believe what the culture is teaching us. Again, now the quote from, from Archbishop Shapu from many years ago, we've allowed the culture to catechize our people. And that catechesis from the culture 
isn't always a good one. And it could be a very spiritually dangerous one. And I will conclude with this, paragraph 1786, faced with the moral choice, conscience can make either a right judgment in accordance with reason and the divine law, or, on the contrary, an erroneous judgment that departs from them. And that's why we have to ensure that our consciences are well formed by the teaching of the church, because if not, we can make and will make erroneous judgments that depart from reason and from divine law. And when that happens, we have chaos. We have what we're seeing today in so many areas of our life, of the life of this country, the life of our culture, especially the Western culture. People's decisions and choices are not being based on uh, um, a well-formed conscience. They're being made and based on, on erroneous judgment that has led them astray. This is why it's so important for you and for me, for all of our people of faith, brother and sister Catholics especially, to ensure that we are doing everything we possibly can to form our consciences, to allow us to live according to the way God will have us live to give that witness and set that way for others. All right, got to go. Thursday already. Whew. Tomorrow, Friday, first Friday, 3 o'clock, Bishop O'Connell is here. Cheryl and I will be here at 4 o'clock for Friday Live. Bill and George at 6, Brothers in Arms, and Father Steve DeLacy with the Vocation Hour at 7. But all of our other programming is on as well. Have a great, happy, holy, and rest of your day. My name is Jim Manfredonia. Thanks for listening. God bless you, and God love you. Uh,